This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Lion. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Welcome back to Taps Pass Podcast, presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I'm your host, Point Level. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan. Dylan, the 2021 NFL Draft officially in the books as uh, all the picks have been made. And uh, we are going to decide who the biggest winners uh, were from the 2021 <laughs> NFL Draft. And, uh, you know, if you haven't already, you can go back and listen to our our extra episode, of course, we always add an extra one in each week during the draft. Uh, you can check out our thoughts immediately after the first round. Uh, you can listen to that on the previous episode of the podcast. We won't necessarily go in-depth uh, into just those picks. Uh, we'll do more of an overview here on the entirety of the draft. But uh, I guess overall, Dylan, I mean, you know, certainly I think looking back at the first round, we've had a couple days to to kind of look back at it, uh, any any opinions that have changed on kind of what we thought on the first round? I still think overall, like we said, I mean, the quarterbacks were the main theme. Um, but uh, as we know, the draft is not one in the first round. <laughs> it is one in all seven, just ask, the New England Patriots. Yeah, I don't think any of the takeaways are much different, at least from the first round, as you're mentioning. Uh, yeah, obviously the Patriots like what they're able to do after that. Um, but overall, I mean, it's, it's always fun, and as we should, like, kind of look at you know, projecting what's going to happen, which teams will be the winners. We're going to find out eventually. All you, <laughs> we, what we should be doing every year maybe is looking uh, – maybe after this draft we have another episode where we look at the last, like, three drafts and reevaluate everyone's winners and losers and who really ended up yeah. uh, being that because, uh, you know, maybe uh, eventually we kind of lose sight. We remember – the hidden gems that certain teams get, maybe forget about the, the first round or second rounders that every single team drafts, and not all of them are going to pan out and be amazing. Uh, but, I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, teams that we've been uh, feeling like have drafted really well the last, uh, since we've been doing this podcast in particular, like the Vikings especially. Um, obviously, we'll get into all our winners and losers. But um, And then teams like the Raiders making picks that just do not completely makes sense uh but we'll get to some of their guys as well but overall i mean it's the same kind of trends not anything sh- shocking by any means in terms of certain teams definitely drafting a little bit more for need than value and, and a lot of guys uh, you know overall that some guys that drop and you just look at uh, teams like well again the patriots we'll get to one second rounder that i talked about a decent amount leading up to the draft that they're able to get uh you, you start to feel like certain teams ended out pretty well and Teams that were patient in some cases were the ones that were the winners, but also teams that were aggressive, like the Bears, obviously, with Justin Fields. 
Yeah, and that's where I, I mean I'll start there. When we talk about the biggest winners, I think the Bears are among that group, just based on the fact that, like we said, if you go back to everything we talked about heading into the draft, um, it was you know are the Bears just going to sit there and be complacent, or are they going to make moves? And they made more you know they they made multiple <laughs> moves here, um, you know by trading up to get Justin Fields, who was there you know for the taking at number eleven, and then. You know, to to make the the deals they made to be in a spot to take Tevin Jenkins, who we thought mm-hmm. could have very well went in the first round to get him yep. at 39. Yes, they gave up some of those picks, you know, in the middle rounds, and they didn't pick again until pick five. But you know what? Like again, it's not always about just the bulk of picks. It's a matter of guys you can plug in and be impact players. And I think overall, when you look at it, I mean, you know, Fields and Jenkins, you feel like are going to really have a chance right away to certainly have a lot of possibilities on what they can do to, to help this team immediately in an area offensively where we know has been their biggest struggle. Um, so I think that's actually, if you look at the Bears, I mean, yes, we have no idea how the guys that they picked, you know, in rounds five through seven are going to turn out. But um, I mean, really, again, it, it's one thing to say, okay, we, we've rounded up picks and we've got a lot of guys. Well, I think more often than not, like, it's not the number of guys you have. It's how many of those guys are going to contribute. And I, I think pretty much for the most part, like, the Bears have two guys that we feel like right away are going to probably have a chance to contribute um, and and be kind of long-term stalwarts, I guess, uh, on that offense. So I think for them at least, that that's a pretty positive thing coming out of this. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe their skill position players were a little underrated just because of how you know vacant Tom's offensive line has been, and obviously the quarterback position has been perpetually for the Chicago Bears franchise an issue. So solving that potentially with a guy, yeah, in fields that we felt like, you know, based on our mock, and we're not alone in this, we thought he was probably the third guy that should have been off the board, if not the second, really possibly with the Jets. Yeah. And just the fact that other teams passed on him, as we talked about, is just. It, was, it worked out so perfectly with the trade up uh, with the Cowboys and the Eagles trade that it kind of allowed them to, to, you know, the Giants no longer were going to sit, needing to sit there to take Devontae Smith. But just everything lined up perfectly. It came out today that the Vikings, if Fields was there at 14, would have taken him, which, I mean, it's crazy to think about the ramifications for that division. But yeah, for the Bears, obviously, like you said, Tevin Jenkins, a guy that we were on a lot of first round grades and a guy that they ended up getting in the second round to fill a huge need. I, like it, yeah, like you're saying, it is the impact of those kind of picks that uh, make this obviously a, for me a winner. Just obviously, even if they hadn't scored Jenkins there, even Larry Borom from uh, Missouri in the fifth round has a chance to be probably move from tackle to guard to really help that offensive line. And I think you know, again, I, I think they had so many other pieces that were there. And you look at what the defense still was able to do last year. It wasn't as great as the 2018 team. But they still finished eighth in DVOA. Still, you know, figuring out things a little bit in the secondary with some young guys that they had picked. But a team that, you know, if they have a really competent quarterback and they improve the offensive line, it, I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's a seven playoff spot. They should expect now that we'll see how quickly Fields in his rookie year can take the take the reins and be successful. But I mean, they have to already be a winner just given the value that they potentially get with Fields. What he could become, it, it could become the same thing we saw a few years ago when guys like Deshaun Watson fell to the, the back, you know, out of the first few picks and then end up being superstars. Um, it, you know, we'll see if that ends up happening with Fields and a lot of teams that, uh, even like the Panthers and Broncos, which we'll, we can get to, but that just, you know, could have used a quarterback. I, don't, I, I know we'll see how they feel about Sam Darnold in Carolina, but, man, it – 
it really worked out for Chicago and the level of impact with what they needed and where they got those guys. I think it was, uh, you got any team that can, you know, we start with all these positions and all these, you know, all the steals that these teams can get and guys that are drafted lower than they should have been. But if you figure out the quarterback position, that's already an A. Like that's already, you're already doing exactly what you need to do to get on the right track for your future. All right. Um, can we agree that the Jets are probably one of the biggest winners too? Um, because yeah. they they get their quarterback at number two. Then you know, having those two first round picks, they get the offensive lineman to help around him, and then they add the wide receiver that I kept saying I couldn't believe he was there going into the second round uh, with their first pick of the second round. Yeah. So to uh-huh. me, you know, they have three surefire guys like that are, are going to have a chance to to play right away, of course, and. Um, really make a difference right away on the offense. Like we've said so many times, like that's been a big problem for them. It's just not knowing what you're getting offensively out of this team. And we talked about how their wide receiver group um, leaves a lot to be desired uh, overall. And now you get a quarterback, you get an offensive lineman and Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, a guy who can be a big time playmaking threat. Um, then not only that Dylan, but they pull off the, and, and I don't know if the stat has been put out there yet, but I know it was mentioned. Not only that, they draft two guys with the same name in the same draft yes. class and picking <laughs> Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina. And this is the best part. It's not just two guys with the same name. It's that one of the guys played at North Carolina. The other guy plays at Duke. So um, I find that <laughs> very fascinating as another kind of draft coup there for the Jets. Yeah, and, and the, I, I don't know as much about the Duke safety as I do about Michael Carter from uh, North Carolina. But one of the, you know, he's been a fantastic player for the Tar Heels for a couple of seasons was just ridiculous uh, this past season. Uh, oh, you know, looking at the stats, over 3,300 all-purpose yards, 2,500 rushing yards. I mean, he had just a ridiculous, ridiculous kind of performance there. And just overall, with yeah, you know, that's a fourth-round guy, and that's the kind of thing where we talk about there's some really – we don't have to get into the whole running back thing, but the fact they scored a guy that I think can be a really good professional running back in the fourth round, it just – it fits perfectly into, yeah, they, they have to be considered a winner. I mean, it starts with another team potentially figuring out their quarterback position with Zach Wilson. We'll see if that's exactly the case. I still would have, you know, again, maybe <laughs> felt like Fields could have been the guy there. Um, we'll find out over the next three, four years. That's the thing. And obviously the, the situations for each are, each are different and should be taken into account. But they do help out. Yeah, they get Elijah Barry Tucker. They trade up and make sure they get – the, the tackle that they want, uh, maybe could have. There's some other guys they probably could have waited for to still get that I felt would have felt really good about if they hadn't traded up. But they have all this draft capital. It's fine that they did that. And then they get Elijah Moore, like you say. I mean, that that's one of the, a guy that I was really surprised he fell as far as he did through the first round. Some teams that really could have used receivers in that area, and it's just a guy that I think we could end up seeing. You know, we've had some of these receivers in recent years that end up dropping the second round, third round, and end up being some of the best, or even late in the first round, end up being some of the best guys in their class. I won't be shocked if Moore is, you know, I won't say he's going to be better than the, that, you know, that top three of elite receivers we expect, uh, Waddle, Smith, and Chase to be. But I still think he has a lot of potential there. Um, definitely a, one of the, if we talk about steals, I know we're still going through everything, but I think that's a guy that you have to think is a steal for them at that spot. A lot of big boards have him on a, you know, a top 20-ish range of a pick, and they get him a pick 34 it's uh yeah I mean they needed it's a per again it's it's filling in needs while filling in possibly the best player on the board at each spot and that's what made the Jets uh, draft uh, look really good for me and also figuring out the most important position hopefully hopefully yes. yeah it's for the Bears too as much as I'm clearly higher on Fields with just the way I'm talking I 
I, you know, I obviously with all of them, if you, it's potentially figuring it out under center, it's the, the odds are not likely that all these guys are going to be franchise long-term quarterbacks at their teams. All right. Give me a couple choices for you, the uh, biggest winners. I think I have one that you're not going to mention, but I think the more I look at this team, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how good they did, but I'm going to save that as the teaser for when you're finished. But you may still, so, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll find out. I mean, one, and it, it's, a, it's a combination of a team and a player. It's Justin Herbert and the Chargers. I feel like them getting Rayshon Slater there was such a huge get. Um, and overall, I just felt like they've had a lot of value throughout the, throughout all their, their picks. Trey McKitty, uh, from uh, from Georgia safety or sorry tight end that fills in perfectly for Hunter Henry. We'll see how effective he can be. Sante Samuel Jr. Another corner just filling out basically all the needs we talked about. They get Josh Palmer as a receiver, uh, another weapon for Justin, but also just just overall with the draft getting Slater. I think I think that's such a huge thing with how they've really tried to rework their offensive line. Uh, I, yeah, I'm just really excited for what they're able to do. So I think Herbert and the Chargers both benefit a lot. A team that is going to be interesting to see what they able to do. I mentioned to you, I know before, so you expect me to say the Browns. I'd really happy we'll see how Wosu Cormoa. You know, they came out. The reason he slipped was an issue with his heart. The teams had concerns about, but I think if he's able to play, I mean, the, the, the potential of him is great there. I think you know, getting Greg Newsom, uh, even though they've they've signed some corners and I've talked about their their whole uh, their whole situation. I think just getting him is going to be such a big big add. Uh, so the Browns, for me, have those are two teams that definitely stick out. One, I know that you're going to get two, so I won't. I won't. Know. Man, I, I, there's there's other winners. I'd have to go through all the teams and, and the players. One that we definitely mentioned, and it, it kind of ties into uh, we were talking about Justin Fields. That's Allen Robinson. He finally gets the quarterback that he's going to be excited to play with. I know we kind of talked about that after the first round. And then the Vikings, even even I know it wasn't just the, the first round. Uh, we talked about that in our last episode about how they're able to get Darisaw and just overall how they continue to just find outstanding value wherever they are and get guys. And it's, it's you know it's surprising to see certain guys fall to them. But I thought that the depth of their draft overall warranted uh, some praise. And they fill in – I don't know how Kellen Mond will end up, but I thought he was like of that next tier of guys, a quarterback that I'm intrigued what he'd be able to do uh, in the right system was developing underneath. Uh, you know, So I think that works out fine for them. Filling some other needs on defense. They get White Davis, a guard, in the, uh, later in the third round, who I thought could have been a second-round pick, uh, filling in another need for them. Uh, just overall, they they end up getting three of those third-round picks. We'll see how they all pan out. But they just keep getting value and, and high-value picks that I think the Vikings are, even though they, after you know nearly making the Super Bowl in 2017, hasn't been the greatest stretch of three seasons. They do win the one playoff game two years ago. But I think they're – I mean, they have the right – process and I understand why I still you know there's a reason why even they haven't had like the major success going to Super Bowls they've had some of their executives be hired by other teams because they they just have a sound process going on in Minnesota yeah I, I like those choices I you kind of headed I know where I'm headed the Dolphins I think are one that mm-hmm. I would certainly put in the category uh, because I, I really feel like they got five guys that I mean you know their their top five picks which of course Jalen Waddle. Uh, they get at six. They get Jalen Phillips yeah. at 18, which just having that one-two punch I think is huge for them. But then they get, you know, Javon Holland, the safety from Oregon in the second round. Then right after that, you know, to get someone like Liam Eikenberger from Notre Dame to to help the offensive yeah. line. Then, you know, in the third round, you had Hunter Long, good tight end, um, that can come in and, and maybe be someone that, that helps alongside Gusecki there. So 
I think the Dolphins did really well. Uh, I just think, you know, that helps when you have two first-round picks. And uh, the way they kind of navigated things, I think it's, you know, they made the most of, of what they had with that um, and certainly didn't take it for granted because they, they made a lot of good selections. Mm-hmm. So I think you throw the Dolphins in there. Um, I guess otherwise, you know, I think the Giants, I don't I mean, they're, they're, you know, I'm kind of in agreement on that and that I think they did pretty well overall uh, in terms of, you know, getting a playmaker at wide receiver than getting – uh, Ojalari in the second round mm-hmm. at 50. I know there were, you know, medical concerns and all that, but still, I mean, he's someone I think that a lot of people had ranked potentially even close to the top 15 in terms of just talents in the draft. So to get him at the number 50 pick, I can't help but think that that could wind up being something uh, overall. And then, uh, while this won't make, I mean, there there are probably other teams I'm forgetting here, but off the top of my head, I mean, the Chiefs I think did pretty well too, even for a team that you know. I know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear that, but they didn't have a first-round pick. But I thought they got some pretty good value the rest of the way. Um, I don't think it's one that again is probably going to pop out like the others, just because you know they didn't have the pick until pick 58. But I think there are some guys in there, and specifically, you know, you look at a guy like Trey Smith who goes in the sixth round. um, You know, I know there were issues talking about the blood clots and that kind of stuff, but. If you're talking just talent, like this guy is, I mean, at the guard position, which we know offensive line is very valuable when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, um, that is something, too, that I think uh, could could be worth kind of watching there as a storyline and maybe potentially uh, if he has a chance to have a lot of success. I mean, I can go up and down the border. I think the Jags mm-hmm. did pretty well. Like, they're another one, um, which helps when you have Trevor Lawrence. But I like yeah. I like pairing him with, with Travis at the end. I, I think I'm fine with that. Like, I get, you know, the hesitancy to take a running back in the first uh-huh. round, but – I really like that they got Tyson Campbell quickly in the second, too. Uh, so, I mean, there's – gosh, I think – and, look, here's what – we're not just, like, gushing over everyone here, but it goes back to what we talked about in the previous episode, was that we felt like the first round, which is a very important part of grading a team's draft, um, we felt like, for the most part, like, everyone hit home runs. Like, we felt like a lot of people, like, actually addressed the needs. You didn't have a lot of those wild and crazy picks. So even if we're maybe throwing in a lot of teams in these winner categories, I think the reason why is because we felt like most teams did a really good job of addressing the needs they had in the first round, which is not always the case. Like you see some wild picks sometimes. And I know we can point to one of the teams we're probably about to talk about in terms of the biggest losers of the draft. But um, I just think overall, like that first round kind of set the course and, and that's why I think we have a lot of teams who are kind of saying, okay, they felt like they won because they made the most of their first rounds and then picked up some value elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And on the Chiefs, I mean, uh, in terms of Trey Smith or even a six-rounder that could fill in on, along the offensive line, getting a guy like Cornell Powell from Clemson who, you know, maybe in some offenses, if he's relied on too much, maybe not exactly the number one guy that's reasoning went in the fifth round. But I feel like in their system with what they're able to do, a great route runner that should be – really exciting. It's just like, wow, they get that guy in the fifth round. I, as a Rams fan, was not exactly pleased with Creed Humphrey falling to them, right? Well, you know, a couple picks after the Rams, or I guess it was by then it was six picks later, but uh, after they had not passed on potentially the best center in my mind in the draft, I know Josh Myers wanted to pick the fourth Packers. Uh, good for them to, to find a, a replacement for Lindsley also, but just, I mean, you think of the Chiefs with where they were last year and how they just completely attacked the one really glaring weakness, which is why they ended up getting, you know, beat down in the Super Bowl, it was their offensive line depth, and they had some guys that, you know, that were good, that were hurt, and now they're just like, we're going to make sure we have as many bodies as possible. So I think the Chiefs are definitely a great one. As you mentioned, the Dolphins, uh, they've been, like at the beginning of the episode, I should have mentioned them too, as a team that 
that it has now. It's been like a few years of just the process is right where you look at and we started seeing the results a year ago. They go ten and six, even with you know two and not really playing at a level that we would have hoped. It was Fitzpatrick still pulling off uh, Fitzmagic constantly, but. I'm really, yeah, I mean, I thought the value that they got with their first four picks, I mean, obviously getting four picks in the top 42 really helps you take a step forward, but then to capitalize really in all of those, in my mind, I think Eichenberg from Notre Dame, I mean, that's, to get him there at 42, I still feel like that's a huge, huge addition. We want, you know, even though they don't go possibly with getting Sewell there at the top, I think Waddle will be really interesting to see what he can do. Uh, We've seen some of these guys of that build, I mean, maybe a little different than Henry Ruggs, but not have the, the most initial success. I'm more optimistic with Waddle than maybe others. I have uh, uh, the kind of build of these of that kind of receiver. I think he has – you're never <laughs> – it's really hard. It's easy to look at some guy that's really fast and be like, well, he can be the next Tyreek Hill. I don't know if that's not really fair to anyone, even Waddle, but I do think the guy that has the best chance of coming becoming close to that is him, and that prospect is obviously huge for them. I think Jalen Phillips – as we've talked about in terms of if he can stay healthy, what he can do uh, as a pass rusher monster. I think Holland there, safety from Oregon, like you're, I mean, they just hit on needs and value. Hunter, even Hunter Long from Boston College, another one of the tight ends that I maybe thought would, be, would have been a little higher in the third round or have been a second round pick. I mean, they, they just nailed those five picks. And I, you know, it's it's really the, the quarterback thing. If two can take a take a jump in year two or a second year. Here, I think that will make a big difference for them. But overall, I think the process is sound, and they're becoming slowly a really, really deep team. That is, uh, in a, uh, as I said last episode, a division that's becoming one of my more intriguing divisions in terms of the one I'm just interested for all four teams and what they're going to be doing next season. You know, a team we didn't talk about that I just realized that I left out. Like, I think the Lions actually did pretty well. Um, yeah. Because they didn't overthink the Sewell pick. Like, they didn't decide, all right, we're going to overthink this. And like we said, I mean, you're talking about the all the Hall of Fame, like everybody using that term. Mm-hmm. They, they did not overthink it at all. They're thinking, okay, we're going to take this guy. He's the best player out there. And the fact that he's sitting here at, you know, at this point in the draft, like this yeah. early, I think that was a big win for them. But I also thought that, you know, they, they tried to rebuild defensive line. Like that was something mm-hmm. that they really focused on. Um, yeah. And really just the defense overall. So I think actually the Lions – New coaching staff, um, you know, we know they need more more help elsewhere. Like, they need more help at receiver. Like, they, they need a lot of areas to build. But I feel like they actually started the right way by doing it on the on the lines. Um, you know, they do it on yep. the offensive line. They do it on the defensive line. And you feel like at least, I mean, that's clearly Dan Campbell's strategy here. But but I think maybe the Lions are a team that, that I probably forgot to throw in there, too. So Yeah, maybe like the unheralded kind of winners. I think they are for sure um, just – uh, Levi on Wazukari, <laughs> definitely messed Good up luck. his name a bit. Uh, but he, I mean, he's a he's going to be just a mauler for them on the inside. He's the guy that had the quote where he said, "I like effing people up." I was just like his, his philosophy. <laughs> That's a, a Dan Campbell player. guy, That's like you Dan just Campbell, know. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, in terms of like quick success, I think they're the kind of draft where we look at from a few years from now and be like, "Wow, they really laid the foundation for something." Uh, because yeah, they were 32nd in DVOA on defense last year. Just a team that. Has a lot of needs overall, and I think yeah, just getting they got a, hot, a lot of t- ton of value. Obviously, there's a most of you probably saw the reaction of the coaching staff in the front office when they landed Sewell at number seven. They were just over the moon in terms of being able to sit there and get him. So I think they're a winner and an un- unheralded one also that maybe it's 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 clouded by the fact that they passed on Justin Fields, and I think a lot of people are going to be 
uh, if, if Fields ends up being really good, it's going to make this draft, even if all the guys I picked pan out, still look bad. And that's the Broncos. I think they still did a great job uh, with all their picks. And I still think uh, I, I think they've hit on a lot of value. I think Patrick Sertan is going to be great for that secondary that's already so deep. And just to have in that division with the quarterbacks that we're looking at, um, even with how good Carr ended up ranking last year, I mean, it's, it's a really tough division for, for a pass defense to have to put up against. So I thought the Broncos did a good job just overall with all their picks, really, and still filling on some needs along, along the offensive line. I think Javante Williams, too, from North Carolina, he's the – uh, the other uh, one of those two running backs with Michael Carter that were just so dynamic for North Carolina. So I think that I, I think they deserve a mention. It's just if Fields ends up becoming, I thought their process outside of that was maybe sound. I, I just if Fields ends up being a, a superstar, then it's like <laughs> I, you know, there's a lot of teams that will end yeah. up getting blamed if that happens. They're not they're not alone, but they are one that it's like, man, you're sitting there all the way at nine and you still had a chance to draft him and you don't get him. Uh, I don't care how many great picks you get. If you miss on if you miss on a quarterback, it's hard to really consider them a huge, huge winner if the guy ends up being a star in the league. Yep, very true. So they're, they're one of their rivals. Uh, we'll, we'll determine that uh, with the Bears, and we'll see how that works out. All right, the teams, and I, again, it's it's hard to go all hot takey and say that they're the biggest losers just because you don't really know. Like, we don't know yet. Like, we have no clue yet. But let's say the teams that maybe – their draft felt a little underwhelming. I, my obvious choice, and this is not, believe it or not, it's not the Raiders. Like, I know this is going to surprise some people because I have an explanation on the Raiders in a second. But, I mean, it's, to me, I think there's one team that stands out above everything. That's the Houston Texans. Like, they had they had five picks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. And then, look, it's not anything against any of the players they took. But this team had five picks in this draft, and they didn't pick until pick 67. Like, that's it's, great. It's I mean, great if you're the Chiefs, right? It's great <laughs> if you're the Chiefs or the Bucks and you just played in the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe your roster's already built that way, but you're a team that is literally already being considered one of the worst in the NFL heading to next season. You have no idea what's going to happen with the quarterback situation, and you have five draft picks, and your first one is not until 67. Boy. I mean, that's... yeah. They, didn't, they were set up to fail, and they, and they still did. Um, I'm not surprised based on how we've seen the Texans uh, outside of, you know, really hitting on the Deshaun Watson pick. They have not been the most sound consistently drafting team the last few years. So like you're saying, though, they just they didn't really have a chance to succeed with the picks that they were given. Um, I, I think the Raiders, I mean, to get Trayvon Morig was was nice. But again, they, they drafted guys that for the most part were really deep in terms of the, where the value was. We talked about it with Leatherwood, but it, it even went to their, their two third-round picks with guys that, I mean, I they could end up working out. And, you know, we've seen them draft uh, an edge rusher from Buffalo and it worked out really well in the past. But I, I don't, I'm not convinced that they couldn't have gotten those guys deeper. And I'm just – so part of it is, yeah, obviously the players pan out. It's great um, if they're contributors and starters long-term. You might consider yourself a winner, but you're still playing a game of value in terms of understanding what you can get out of it, what you could squeeze out in terms of maybe another player, another shot at a, a guy if you, if you trade back or you wait to get those guys. Or you, There's just different things they could have done, I felt like, where they've had some good players they've drafted recently. They've hit on guys in later rounds sometimes, but I just I feel like they have not utilized the value of some of the picks that they've had. And then down the board uh, – not because not I usually root against the Seahawks. I really didn't think their draft was inspiring. Obviously, you get three guys, which is, that, that's that's a problem in itself. But I don't think yeah. Dwayne Eskridge at the value of that pick 
really fill what they really need is offensive line. I think even the Rams, you can put them in that same category in terms of not drafting a single offensive lineman. At least the Seahawks drafted one of their three. The Rams, if you listen, if you looked at the, the quotes from Wes Snead and Sean McVay after the draft, it sounds like they have the, the Washington football uh, hog molly offensive line. Like the, they, they are so confident in the guys that they currently have, and that's great. And they're happy about the guys that they're that they're uh, that they're developing, but. I thought, again, that Creed Humphrey would have made a lot of sense there. We'll see how Tutu Atwell does, what Sean does to make him a useful player. But I, I, and I, I do think some of the other picks were fine. Um, but I wouldn't say they're a, a loser necessarily, but they're definitely one that is on that kind of scaling back to disappointing. I would say the Saints didn't have the most inspiring yeah, draft. I again, another that. team that reached a little bit with some of their picks. Um, those are some of the teams I, that come first to mind. I'd have to go down the list of other ones, but – uh, yeah, in terms of uh, I'm trying to think of like player losers, I don't. I mean, anyone that's going to get in the NFL is going to be pretty <laughs> right. happy. But I'm trying to think of like the the one guy that's like, man, you got stuck there, and maybe it's uh, Davis Mills. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It's it's got to be him, right? Because if he winds up being the starter from day one, like he's, I'm sorry, but he's, David, he's in trouble. David Carr part two, even though yeah. you know without the pressure of being a number one pick and a new franchise, uh, uh, you know, literally new franchise first guy they pick but uh man it's it's uh good luck davis i mean hey you got you got drafted in the third round that's great but, yeah and that's a tough situation to go into yeah it, it is indeed i think that's one that certainly stands out all right let's talk about the raiders before we wrap up here's the deal i think the raiders would have made my list had they not literally done something that i probably could say well that's that's like so raiders that they did this like they drafted the guy at 17 they probably could have drafted at 43 Yep, and they drafted a guy at forty three that they probably could have drafted at seventeen. <laughs> so, yep. so the fact is, it kind of evens out, and so I think I can't dislike the Raiders draft as much anymore. I know a lot of people after the first round, and you and I talked about this. You know, when they picked Alex Leatherwood, it's like, well, boy, he was rated kind of in that forty five to fifty ish range, and they pick him at yep. seventeen. But then to get Morig, who we had going, I'd have to look back at our mock draft, but I think we had Somewhere him going in the twenties, as I say, like early twenties. So Maybe, to get yeah, him like, at 43, I think helps. 27. Well, let's see. That's yeah. not bad then. I think, and I think we took him later than some people had him projected. Yes, so, 100%. Um, so I think to get him at 43, it kind of evens out for the Raiders. So I'm willing to give them a pass on that because had they, you know, again, gone <laughs> gone wild and, and at that spot, if, if Morrick had still been there, and let's say they take someone else um, that's projected, you know, in the 50s or 60s, then it's like, okay, what are the Raiders doing? But the fact is, they get probably one of the best value picks, period, in the first couple rounds at 43, um, and they address a need. So I'm willing to give the Raiders a little bit of slack on that one. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I I just, I don't know, I still, again, with the third-round picks, the guys that probably they could have waited on, it's still this misunderstanding at times of what they <laughs> of value. Um, and they also went all in rate. on Missouri, apparently. Uh, they, yeah. They went on the Missouri Tigers, who, hold on, I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, the Missouri football team went, I know it wasn't great, as someone who watches <laughs> the SEC. Let's see, what did they do last year? And nothing against these individual players, but I don't think Missouri was a great team last year. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I thought they were, you know, I thought Gruden was a heavy Alabama Clemson guy, so it's, it's nice to see him uh, yes. branch out a bit. But, I, yeah, again, it's just even with Mo Rigg, I mean, a guy that we'll see how they use him. Uh, a lot of his projections will put him in, on defenses that don't run what Gus Bradley runs with a split field uh, with two safeties. Um, uh, that's the thing. Like, you, he probably does project well as a single high safety. We'll, I mean, he can probably, I mean, he's a really talented guy. It is. 
you know, it's interesting that he ended up being, you know, mocked and just about everyone as the first safety off the board ends up being the third safety off the board in this draft. Um, but yeah, that, so that was good. I mean, that pick was like, all right, getting understanding that one. And the third rounders and, and Devon Diablo, which is a fantastic name, and then Malcolm Coons from Buffalo. I think those guys both could be interesting, but there's a chance that they aren't <laughs> big factors. And again, I just felt like they were drafted higher than they had to get them. If they yeah. really wanted those guys, they probably could have manipulated this to get more picks even for next year. Uh, so that's why, I mean, it's just more of that kind of that kind of part of the game that puts them in that category for me. I'm trying to think if there's, like, any other winners it's trying to be a little positivity. I mean, <laughs> I thought Washington did a pretty good job. I was going to say, Washington is one I would put in there. It's one of those that I don't think really there's a ton that jumps out. Like, I don't think you're going to mm-hmm. just, you know – these aren't names that are just going to completely jump out to a bunch of people, but I think if you dig a little bit deeper on some of these guys, like they're actually pretty good. And for the value and the, and the number of picks that they have, like like Davis is a really good player. And I know, yes, again, like yeah. he's, a, he's from Kentucky, but like Davis is a really, really talented player. So I think if you just look at it from that aspect and you go a little bit deeper on some of these guys, I do think that's one of the ones I was going to mention. I think they had a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good draft. Yeah. And I, I think like, you know, they, they're kind of in that same group of even – a little bit different than Miami, but in terms of teams that have the right process and, you know, even if their quarterback long-term situation is still something they need to figure out, um, I mean, that it's, it's about putting the right pieces in play. We've seen teams that get try to get the quarterback first, and it's just if they don't have enough around them, they end up burning out quickly, even if they have a ton of potential and maybe would have done a lot better in a system like that. You know, that's why we say Trey Lance is obviously a winner because he ends up with Kyle Shanahan and the Niners, but – with Washington, yeah, I just feel like they have the right process of building out this roster. That defense, man, is it's already scary. And you throw in Davis in there, uh, the, the Minnesota corner, uh, Benjamin St. Juice, has a, you know a decently high uh, potential, I think, to, to be a starter within a couple of years. Diamond Brown from North Carolina, even a third-round pick that could end up having a nice role for them quickly. So, I, yeah, I, I thought they're, they're one that mentioned maybe the last one. Uh, it really depends on the health maybe of Caleb Farley, but I think the Titans did, did decently well um, yeah. to fill in some of the needs that they needed along on their defense. They got a, a slot corner, too, and Elijah Molden in the third round from Washington, a, a fun guy that did really well there. And uh, we'll see how the, the tackle they took, Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State, pans out. But I, I thought just they filled in needs that I felt like they needed um, overall. I want. I don't know if they deserve a winner, but I thought they had a solid draft. And maybe if I say that, I should stop because there's going to be too many teams. Where I'll be like, yeah, solid draft. Like that's that's most of these teams. It's like it's fine. But again, we'll find yeah. out in the most cases by the end of it how they really end up uh, panning out over the next few years. All right, let's wrap up with how we all how it all started with the draft coverage. The Packers. Um, (laughs) I know and look we talked about this right on on prior Thursday night when we did the the post first round thoughts like we didn't think the Eric Stokes pick was that bad when you consider it Um, but you know I I just thought it was kind of funny that the fact is the Packers finally draft a receiver they do it in the third round and they draft a guy named Rodgers like it just it doesn't get get any better than that right so um, I mean Again, like let's let's just uh, let's call it what it is. Like we said this already, but this draft was not going to determine the Packers' future with Aaron Rodgers. Like it was not going to, I guess, unless they you know used every pick as a wide receiver. I like, it just it, it's so mm-hmm. silly. I think to think that one of these picks, and, and again, we we've already said this, but um, it, it just was not going to determine Aaron Rodgers' I think path forward with the Packers. No, yeah. like, that was already decided. 
Um, so I think you just look at this draft and say, okay, how are these guys going to help us? Should we lose Aaron Rodgers? Because um, it seems like at this point that that is becoming a possibility, of course, and um, just how this whole thing plays out. It maybe makes it a little harder to actually judge this draft class because you don't really know kind of what the Packers are going to look like if they go without Aaron Rodgers heading into the 2021 season. And, it, yeah, it's always going to be pointed to the Jordan Love pick. Like, that's the starting point right. as if it wasn't the process before that, like, of not communicating with him, which he's at least has come out as uh, one of the concerns. It wasn't just the pick itself, but the, the conversation he's had issues with just feeling like they're drafting for the you know future rather than going in on um, specific seasons. Um, but I don't think any of these picks in particular would have been any had any impact, like you're saying. I mean, Stokes, they needed a corner there. Maybe there's some other guys they could have taken at that point. Um, that ended up falling a, a bit uh, further down. Uh, maybe they could have traded up if they really liked Newsom or someone like that um, a little earlier. But I still, yeah, I still think that in a vacuum wasn't a bad pick. I think Josh Myers. So the thing about him is, I feel like Creed Humphrey probably was the, the better center there, and it's like he goes one pick after, and we'll see over the course of those two guys' careers. But they're going to be compared for sure in terms of if Creed ends up being a, the center for the, the Chiefs for a decade and Myers is like a solid center, but he's not on that level of what Corey Lindsley became, then it, then you, that's where it's not just – you have to have um, – you have to also take in the situation into account. Like, it's not just what these guys fan out. It's like, did they – was it a solid player that was taken, you know, with a really great player that went just right after them at the same position? Then you can consider that really a loss. I think Amari Rodgers, yeah, that pick was solid. I think that one, like, it's funny, as we said, the A. Rodgers uh, – <laughs> having the guy there but another guy that also like his you know on big boards is maybe a, a you know more in the 110 the 120 range rather than the 85th overall pick so yeah maybe yeah their draft I don't know where I'd exactly rank it it'd probably be below solid um yeah. still and that's not even but it's I, I thought it was fine we'll see like how these guys fan out I just at each each one of those first three picks, I'm like, uh, it's like the value of those picks compared to where they've been a little bit different for all three of those positions. I just felt like there were better players. Maybe they could have traded up for or uh, even just pick that were still available, especially with uh, with Creed Humphrey there in the second round. Well, and we wrap up with what I think was the biggest winner individually. Um, and I, I'm obviously saying that I, I don't like Trevor. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence probably the biggest winner uh, individually in terms of being the number one pick, but. Uh, what about Kyle Trask, who gets drafted by the Bucks, uh, <laughs> second round, and now gets to go learn under Tom Brady? Uh, that's good choice, I think, for Kyle Trask. It's a stay in state of Florida, um, although he may be the biggest winner um, in getting to learn from Brady. Uh, maybe not, and having if Brady comes out and wins another Super Bowl next year, and um, <laughs> it's like, well, good luck, Kyle. You're the guy who has to follow this in Tampa. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, that's the thing. He gets plenty of years. I think Tom's still got a, a number, of, a lot of time here, so Kyle will have at least a few years. <laughs> we'll see. But, yeah, I think, yeah, he ended up as a winner, I think, where he ended up. I, uh, it's not it's not anything like the Jimmy Garoppolo situation right. in terms of uh, having that, uh, you know, the guy just can't, keeps lingering and lingering. We're joking about Tom, but I don't think he's going to be there for more than three years. Watch that not be the case. But, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I'm setting that higher than it probably should be as over under, but that's just because of what he continues to do and continues to be effective with. Uh, he as uh, yeah, individual players. I think he's a huge winner. As I mentioned, already Trey Lance. I don't know how you could not be a big winner going to that uh, coaching staff, that system, that offensive line. 
It's just, just everything about what the Niners have built with their culture. I think that's a he's a huge huge winner. Mac um, Jones too, I guess we've got Mac to put him Jones in that too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, maybe I'm not thinking of it as much because I still worry about some of the overall yeah. weapons. But I think they've retooled the offensive line. I think they're going to bounce back on that line, and I think that is going to. Yeah, I think he's him and uh, him and Lance probably have the two best situations. Uh, even if I haven't really hopeful for Fields, I think just you look at just from a uh, just standpoint of what the offensive line is, the coaching staff, those kind of things, the, the culture itself. Uh, hard to say that Mac and Trade and can uh, pan out really well. And there's a lot of guys that are, yeah, they're not on great teams, but I think individuals that will uh, be able to to succeed really quickly. I think Greg Newsom going to the Browns, that's a great situation yeah. for him to learn from some of the other guys. It doesn't have to be a number one, the same way Denzel came in and had to be their number one corner immediately. Um, winners, yeah, there's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot more. We'll see about the situations they fit into over the course of these next uh, uh, next couple of years. But those are the, the quarterbacks are the easy ones to point to just in terms of uh, other positions. It is really important to where you end up and how you succeed based on the coaches you have and the people around you. But obviously no position is that more important than quarterback. So that's why it's easy to look at those two guys. Yep, I think so. But uh, there you go. If we did not mention your favorite team, it's probably honestly that we just forgot because I think we, we covered about 27 <laughs> teams lot, yeah. um, in this span of 40 minutes. So, uh, yeah, there, there was, again, I think it was back to the first round. I think the first round sort of set the course uh, where we felt like for the most part there were a lot of winners in the first round, not just because, you know, yeah. they had first-round picks, but because they actually uh, addressed needs and got the best players we felt like to fit how they they want to play so uh, I think that that made for us you know kind of being a lot higher on some of these these teams coming out of the draft than maybe we would have uh, in some years so uh, Dylan yeah. of course we have it all covered over clutch points uh, lots of stuff and the fallout from the draft of course we'll have a lot of stuff coming up as we go throughout the off season. Uh let everybody know where they can find all of that yeah still have a lot of stuff coming out on, on the fallout of the draft breaking down each draft class, grading every team's draft. So outside of our, uh, you know, winners and losers here, you can read that at clutchpoints.com. If you search NFL draft on the website or just go to the NFL section, you can find all that content. We'll be following all the Aaron Rodgers rumors, obviously. We're only nine days, by the time this comes out, eight days away from the NFL schedule coming out, which is always a fun thing to break down. Uh, it is a little funny that we get a we have to schedule a time to figure out our schedule <laughs> for, the, yes, for the year, but um, it is it is fun that they've made it into an event, and it's a fun, at least for us with this podcast, it, it's always a fun time to, to look at the best matchups of the year and get started getting excited for, you know, four months down the road. Uh, but yeah, all that we'll have at Clutch Points. NBA playoffs are coming up pretty soon. You can follow all those games in the app, as well as MLB Action is in the app as well. You know what I'm already looking forward to. I'm already thinking ahead to fantasy. I'm already building my team in my mind with all of yes. these these rookies. I'm thinking, all right, uh, where where am I going with some of these guys? Because we know, we know, last year I, I got Joe Burrow in the in the clutch points league, and I'm um, trying to think, you know, what's what's my quarterback who are, situation? Who are some be? fantasy winners, real quick? I mean, we said <laughs> well, Allen Robinson. I think he's definitely one. You could say Lamar Jackson uh, with them getting yes. Bateman. Any others that come quickly to mind? Well, I think that I think one of the rookies actually is someone I'm thinking about in my mind, and this is PPR only folks, PPR only, because uh, we know they have James Robinson, but I, like, I think Travis Etienne, like, I think he's someone that's very yeah. intriguing, because he's someone who can catch out of the backfield, and I think that Urban Meyer being there, he is someone I would not be surprised if he kind of just explodes into, you know, one of those guys that I'm trying to think of what even to compare him to, like like a James White-esque, and I'm not saying to that level, but I, I think I could see the Jags using him like that a lot, 
Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's that's one from a rookie standpoint that stands out. Obviously, we can look at the quarterbacks. Like I'm not yeah. gonna be, I'm not gonna be rushing out probably to get Zach Wilson or anything. <laughs> just just because <laughs> I mean you know I, this is probably not the route I'm gonna go. But um, I mean I guess you could point year. like you could point to. You know, I think Matt Ryan, too, like getting Kyle Pitts doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, that helps, like, the offense probably a bit. And, like, even the rest of the guys on that offense maybe, um, you know, Ridley, Julio, like you have another guy now where you almost feel like that, you know, you're filling in that Austin Hooper role um, a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that helps. Um, yeah, so I think there, there are a lot of guys. I mean, you could obviously, I think, point to, to Joe Burrow and Tua, those two guys in particular, because they got wide receivers to, you know, yes. add to mm-hmm. their weapons. So. Uh, from a quarterback standpoint, but uh, I'm I'm already digging into it, man. I, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm already drafting the team in my mind. I just can we just kick off? Like I, I need to get some some DraftKings <laughs> and FanDuel daily fantasy. Start going. doing your mock um, your mock fantasy draft. Yeah, oh, like boy. it's it's time. Like it's it's time to start picking players now. Now is when you win fantasy leagues, folks. Is now in May. You don't win it in August. Like you win it in May. So. This is when you start doing your research. Pay attention now. <laughs> That's right. Poor, poor James Robinson. That's all I know. Well, it might have been a one and done. We'll, well see. I hope he still has a good year. But. I, I I would hope so. I mean, he was really good. But uh, we'll we'll talk about James Robinson as we go throughout the offseason. And yeah, we'll do some fantasy breakdown. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> listen, well, we, here's what we can say. The Jags are a lot more interesting fantasy-wise now than they have been in recent yes. years. So uh, that at least uh, gives you some intrigue there. Uh, going DJ Shark. There you go. Yeah, DJ Shark. Like, how's, how's he going to be used? So uh, I think the Jags have become a lot more intriguing. Meanwhile, the Texans. Ooh. Um, there you go. You talk about the draft or fantasy draft stock falling and rising. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot, a lot of draft stock falling on the Texans right now. Um, so yeah, go. I don't think you're you're picking a lot of players on that team. Uh, so yeah, check no, everything I'm just out. Gonna eliminate them from my mind. <laughs> yeah, I I, I don't think that's a that's a route you want to go right now. So uh, yeah, check everything out. Clutch points. We'll have all the fantasy stuff coming sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, everything else like Dylan said. All the draft fallout. Check it all out at Clutch Points. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, you can find us there. And, then, yeah, thanks as always to find folks at Blue Wire for all that they do. And thank you as always for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time. We're on the next time.